Welcome back to the Rural Voice, the National Rural Education Association podcast. We are just happy to be back in November before Thanksgiving. We've got a great guest today, and we'll get to our guests shortly. But I want to talk about a couple things before we get going. First of all, today's sponsor for our podcast is My Credential. My Credential delivers simple, engaging professional development resources that are convenient, personalized, and flexible to every teacher's unique needs. So if you're a district out there, you're an NRA member listening to this, you're a college professor, you're a researcher, reach out to My Credential. They have uh, everything you need for uh, professional development, professional learning. So proud sponsor. We do have a slight connection to the to the to the uh, company. I don't know. We may have the CEO founder on with us as a co-host, Dr. Jared Bigham. He's on, and brother. All, He's on. <laughs> all right, and then uh, we do have uh, our producer slash co-host slash. Resident left-leaning gentleman, uh, yeah. Dr. Chris Silver. How you doing, buddy? Sorry, I had a little bit of a glitch there. Um, doing really good. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm the token left wing left winger here. So, so, so Jared and I are more the centrist, but uh, maybe lean a little bit right. Uh, Dr. Silver may lean a little bit left. We don't fault him for that at all. Uh, we fault no one because we love everyone. So we might be the left-leaning, Chris. I don't know. That, that might, might put us over the top. Hey, in my hometown, I think all of us are left-leaning. Leaning, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's rural America, people. We love it. Hey, let, let's let's talk quickly about our conference. Uh, I do have to brag on Suzanne Amos and Courtney um Ziak, uh, she actually, they both actually do a great job with our conference and our conference planning team. But Green Bay, Wisconsin was our location. And guys, I'll let y'all kind of fill in, but I think it was unbelievable, especially the animals that came to visit us at the conference. Yeah, those yeah. animals, that was a that was a cool um addition that I was not expecting when when I first walked into the booth area. It, and it was like uh, you know, one of the the uh, late night shows where they bring the animals on for the <laughs> host to hold and pet and all that. And and I, I, those animals probably had more social media pictures taken than than any animals in America. That was that was awesome. Well, and you know, you're right. Uh, where else can you go to a conference and uh, hold a baby kangaroo? <laughs> yes. I actually walked up on Chris when he was doing that. He he looked very um, uh, not not a paternal, I guess is what the <laughs> word for when he was holding that baby kangaroo. I thought he was going to bust out a bottle or a pacifier or something there. <laughs> I'm, I almost busted out of the building with the baby kangaroo. It was so cute. <laughs> That'd have been good to check on the flight. Uh, you know that would have been funny. Chris, kind of give us your thoughts. What do you think about the conference? So um, one of the things that I was really impressed with at this year's conference, which was um, a really, uh, and I noticed this in the papers, I noticed this in a number of the presentations, but there, there really seems to be this, this greater awareness now of some of the challenges that rural, rural educators are facing. And if you were at the conference, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but just the amount, the I mean, just the energy in the room, the amount of commitment that people have, you know, and, and of course, you know, Alan and Jared and I joke around about being left and right all the time, just about every other episode. But the reality of it was at the conference, it was wonderful because you saw 
people from different political perspectives coming together to try to solve a problem together. Imagine if American politics was that way, guys. I mean, seriously. Yeah, there, there's no um, there's no meeting in the middle. Ever we're so polarized, right? Yes. Now. yes. I mean, and you can't you can't have conversations and just say, "Well, let's agree to disagree," and then go have a beer afterwards. I mean, people are just get entrenched in their perspective and political philosophy, and if you don't align with that, then they just have nothing to do with you. It's crazy. Well, yeah, and you bring up a good point, both of you do, about the, the polarization of, of both ends and both extremes. But the, the funny thing about the conference is we had a 100% uh, rating for would you share this information with your peers back home, what you pulled from the conference. So if you look at right wing, left wing, whatever, they're both sharing the same information, which I think is awesome. We had a 99% approval or satisfaction rating from the conference, which is unbelievable. That's so amazing. Yeah, I mean, of course, people didn't like the food all the time, but, you know, who does like food all the time? <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, but uh, it was good. And, and, you know, we're coming to Chattanooga in 23. Uh, we're, yeah, we're excited about coming to chat. And, and, I, and I think we're going to we're working with the Chattanooga Zoo to have animals back. So we're going to copy some things from Green Bay that we picked up and learned and and move forward. And we're going to do some different things. But it was a great conference. And 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 the positive, Chris, is the conference led to our guest today, which yes. is a positive part of it. Yep, yep. So we're very, very lucky today. Um, to be joined by Tim Nikolai. Did I say that correct, Tim? You sure did. Yeah, he is the Senior Rural Health Director for the uh, American Heart Association in the 13th State Midwest region. Um, he's got, uh, his family appears that you were in the Army, they were in the Army, right, Tim? Is that correct? Yeah, my dad is retired military, yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. And then um, you've got a degree both in, in political science and secondary education. And he's been working with the association for 14 plus years in a variety of roles. And so we met Tim at the conference. Uh, Tim and I had an amazing conversation and we exchanged business cards. And uh, and so, you know, behalf of my colleagues, Alan and Jared, I, I, I was like, Tim, we got to have you on, buddy. This is the, some of the stuff you're doing. It's so important to rural education, particularly within sort of the domains of smoking and then also health access. And so it was a no-brainer that that you know we want to have Tim on this. And Tim, we're really glad you went to the conference. We think that having that, you know, sort of varied voices, it needs to extend beyond administrators and teachers and, you know, and in higher ed to include a lot of other partners in the community. And we're glad you're here, Tim. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It was uh, great to be at the conference and meet you there, Chris, and, and just hear the the passion and the commitment that so many people from around the country had for rural education. So probably the best thing that's happened in Green Bay with the way the Packers have been playing lately. So uh, <laughs> that's all right. I'll say no comment on that one, Tim. I'll let you, you, you hang yourself on. The, we don't want the Packers to not like our podcast. <laughs> that's all right. Not to mention, Wisconsin was a great host for the for the conference, so we definitely don't want to. It was great to have you guys, uh, and I, yeah. hopefully the Packers I, yeah. turn it around here. But I loved one of my favorite parts of the conference was the tour of Lambeau Field. That was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. Quite In fact, place. Jared and I were on the same tour together, weren't we, Jared? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, so so Tim, I, I do have a. a, a Conference, well, not really conference, but a question about your work a little bit. If, if Chris, yeah. you'll let me step in. You, Chris mentioned about 
I guess smoking and smoking awareness among our high school students, but also in our communities, is that still a big, I mean, and, and I say this out of ignorance, okay? I don't see people smoking as much as I did before. So I'm just kind of wondering, because that's interesting to me. So let me, let, I'd love to hear your answer on that one. Yeah, and it's just one of the the challenges facing schools today and, and rural schools in particular in a lot of cases. Um, you know, we saw the vaping epidemic kind yep. of hit and, and arrived full force just before COVID. Um, and a lot of that came out of um, Wisconsin with the, the Children's Hospital here in Milwaukee identifying the seriousness of the, the issues and the health crises that some students were being found in. Um, but it's we saw that the, the rate of tobacco use overall went backwards 20 years among youth. So it had spiked, we'd seen a 20 year decrease and then it spiked back up to those 20 years ago level, um, largely due to the vaping crisis wow. happening. So, so let me ask oh, you this. Wow. Do, do you count do you count vaping as smoking, like if they were equivalent to a cigarette? So is that what you're you're including in that drop backwards to 20 years ago? Yeah, when we're looking at overall tobacco use, the level was regressed, right? The the progress was erased from the last 20 years. Um, so again, just help clarify for me because I had some um, uh, twins that were uh, they're freshmen in college now, but when they were in high school, that the vaping was a huge issue through high school. Like kids sneaking to the bathroom, and and but it wasn't. You know, they had all the different kinds of vapes in there. The you know the caffeine ones and the just the supposed to be the um the what's the essential oil ones and all. So is it? How do you determine that they're actually doing the the tobacco was the nicotine laced ones uh, when you're yeah. in the data? Yeah, so I know a lot of schools are are concerned now with um, THC being incorporated into those vape devices. Mm -hmm. That's a concern we hear a lot. Um, the initial generation and still a lot of the ones out there today are predominantly tobacco nicotine based. Um, and one of those you know, to to pick on the the big guys who caused a lot of the problems, uh, one of those jewel pods is the equivalent of about twenty cigarettes. Um, wow. Oh my so gosh! You're, you're really hitting it hard when you use one of those devices. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So, so I mean, and this is and been enlightened and 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 informed already. So, so Chris, I'm going to push this to you to ask a question or to fill in. What was it about the conversation that brought Tim to our podcast? Because I'd like to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, uh, Tim, I hope you don't mind me being your hype man for a second. But uh, one of the things that that my conversation with Tim really highlighted for me was that we we really have a lot of wider partners in the community that are really doing really positive things for rural education, either you know directly or indirectly. And, and Tim was, you know, one of the things that really impressed me about Tim initially when we were talking was his passion for raising awareness. And then, you know, we, we had a really good just, you know, just sort of side conversation. And, and we started talking about, you know, we ought to have, have him on the podcast because, you know, we honestly, and I'll say this to our listeners, I know we've been really COVID focused and health focused lately. But, but you know, given that these are still, I mean, as we sort of gradually roll out of, of the COVID era here, 
I mean, there's still a number of other health concerns to start taking into account. And, you know, um, of course, tobacco use in schools is a big one. Uh, now, you know, with more states, uh, we're seeing legalization of marijuana or at least some kind of, of cannabis derivative. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're facing some new challenges for educators. And we, we thought Tim would be a great way for us to segue into some of these other issues uh, to, to talk about. So that was that was one of the reasons that I approached, you know, Alan and Jared about us having Tim on was I thought, you know, what a great way to extend this wonderful conversation he and I had at the conference to the podcast. And I think that you bring up a great point about community outreach and helping in other ways. So, uh, you know, Tim, for, for me, I, I think, how do you know um, or what do you, I mean, kind of what is your feel and take on the the biggest concerns from your lens that rural communities are facing? We talk about tobacco and vaping. What are some other ones? Yeah, and I, and I appreciate first, Chris, you know, you're, you're highlighting the the potential here because I think that's exactly what led me to come to the conference and is driving a lot of the work the Heart Association is doing. Um, you know, I, I, th- I thought I was going to be a teacher for a while and it didn't quite work out, um, but I have siblings that are, are teachers in, in rural communities even, um, and I see how hard they're working and how many things are on their plate. And so I'm really hoping and the, the Heart Association is trying to be a resource so that we can help solve some of those problems or, or help districts address some of those concerns, whether it's tobacco, um, a lot of conversations around um, obesity as well, and, and kind of dealing with the, both the nutrition side of that and the physical activity side of that. And then to the connection back to um, behavioral health and mental wellness, um, certainly students struggling with that are more likely to use tobacco. And there's that strong connection between mental and physical health. And so we're trying to put out resources around kind of all of those topics to help benefit schools. So when when you're trying to get the word out and work with rural districts, I mean, what's what's the challenges in reaching people and, and what do you find is the best mechanism right now to to get in contact with rural districts and schools and, and just for awareness. Yeah, we have, a, we have a couple things that, that work well at the Heart Association. First, I have some, some fantastic colleagues that are spread across the Midwest where I'm at and across the country that work closely with school districts on what we call our Kids Heart Challenge program. And so that does a good job of engaging schools in some direct educational inf- opportunities and some service learning opportunities. And so oftentimes they have a long connection to a district that helps jumpstart a conversation. Um, the other place though, that, that's that been useful to me in my time in this role um, is you know attending conferences like yours and reaching out to some of the state uh, associations as well. Um, and just kind of collaborating with them on opportunities to um, disseminate that information and see who is ready to, to take advantage of it. So I know another concern and challenge you've talked about is situations where you've got some really isolated schools and they might have some kind of emergency, health emergencies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So just last week, we had our our scientific sessions conference, our, our large annual conference of cardiologists and associated individuals in Chicago. 
Um, and one of the studies that got a lot of press coming out of it, unfortunate, good that it got the press, unfortunate the reality behind it, is that cardiac arrest deaths, we've seen a decrease overall, in, in, or a, an increase rather, in the survivability from a cardiac arrest, but that does not hold true for um, rural communities. Uh, you're about twice as likely to pass away from a cardiac arrest in a rural community as you are in a more urban area. Um, so a lot of work needs to be done in that. And I think schools can be an important part of that in, in planning for those emergencies. I, I, that is, um, I mean, a really amazing stat. It, it, and and it kind of brings me back to, um, you know, a lot of times in rural areas, we're, we're really, you know, there's, there's, there's depression issues and different things, you know, mental health issues. And sometimes with the way students, and I know even myself, deal deal with some of this is is on either alcohol or food and 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 those are big items and and lack of exercise in certain cases so th this is uh, the mental health issues and i know we we all have kids and 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 students and i have one in high school now and it, it, i can see anxiety a lot in those students and i can see you know behaviors coming out just because of what we're dealing with and they're, and they're unhealthy. So could you talk a little bit about the, the social, emotional or mental health issues that are facing our rural areas? Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on that there's a lot of challenges associated with that. And part of it is just access to care, right? There's, there's fewer behavioral health providers in many rural areas. And so that limits access. And so if we can provide tools that help equip a school district to address those needs for students, then that's definitely a win in our book um, so that the, the districts aren't having to come up with something on their own or, or kind of search the, the far reaches of the internet to find trusted resources. We want to leverage our science in a way that's digestible to students and their families and the teachers that are serving them. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with so many of the different health topics we're talking about today. And I think one of the things is, is, is you know, for listeners, make sure you check out the links and stuff that are on the, the podcast because Tim's going to share a lot of information with you. And then we know you can find him on LinkedIn as well, and he'll share his contact info to to do direct outreach. So that is impressive, and I appreciate that. I would also add uh, to our colleagues out there that are listening is that, you know, I think what Tim in some ways is implicitly reminding all of us is that we really need to be reaching out to our other community partners. And you know, there's so much great expertise out there that we can, you know, each and every one of us use to make our, our schools better, you know, our communities better. And so I think it's incredibly important that, you know, we reach out to the Tims of the world and others that can sort of help us navigate some of these uncharted waters that we find ourselves in post COVID. Yeah, I think when we talk about our mission, a lot of it revolves around making the healthy choice the easy choice. And that's that's true for us as individuals, right? If you have a, a refrigerator full of vegetables, you're more likely to eat that versus the, the pantry full of cookies. Um, and if the same applies to districts. If we can help them figure out what a, a comprehensive tobacco policy looks like and and save them that work, then we've made that an easier decision for them, which is going to, of course, going to have the benefits to the students of making it easier for them to avoid tobacco use. And so that's just one example, but that's what we want to try to do is cut through the noise and uh, support districts in, in finding that easy path to help. 
I know Jared and I've talked about stuff like this before in the sense of, you know, Tim, how does socioeconomic levels play into this healthy habits? It definitely does. And that's that's one of the things the Heart Association is committed to is is addressing those disparities. Um, you know, you can look at virtually any measure of health, and this holds true in, in urban as well as rural areas, um, and they track unfortunately so, with health disparities, or with socioeconomic status, rather. Um, there's less access to a variety of things. You know, if you don't have enough financial resources to get that medical care, preventative preventative care, if you don't have as much access to buy those healthy foods that sometimes cost a little bit more than the, the processed fast food. Um, and there's also sometimes just gaps in health literacy, right? That... Um, and that's a definitely something we're trying to do too is is make health information accessible and um, digestible for individuals of all ages. Um, but if we can start when they're students, um, hopefully we're helping them get on that path towards uh, a healthier life going forward. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's no joke buying healthy food in a in a grocery store. I mean, I, I talk to my buddies about this all the time. It's expensive to eat healthy. I mean, if you you buy fruit and vegetables or you know anything besides the, the the you know the unhealthy options that are in there the little debbies and all that I mean I love little debbies so I'm not throwing off on little debbies but I I definitely love them but you know th- those items are cheaper than the actual healthy others if you if you want to buy chicken and do grilled chicken I mean meat has gone it has skyrocketed the price of it of of all kinds of meat. And so um, it, it's it's a real hardship to try to eat healthy and buy those groceries. I mean, I, I've got five kids, so I, I live that, you know, every week. And so I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Well, and I, I think there's there's a there's a reality to that. And there's a, a little bit of a, a misperception, too, in some cases. You know, some people think um, healthy food has to be and, and not to knock organic. If you want and can afford organic food, go for it. Um, but, you know, I look at I can get two pounds of bananas for the price of a, a Snickers bar and, and not that you want to eat bananas all day. Um, but I think a little bit, too, is around. We have to work with people to feel comfortable using some of the healthy food that is available. Um, and so that's definitely part of what we're trying to do as well is is make it. Um, easier for people to take those potatoes and, and know what to do with them or take the carrots and uh, feel confident in, in even basic things like peeling the carrots and, and cutting them up for whatever. Um, so there are there are some healthy options that don't have to break the, the bank, um, but it, it can be a challenge, particularly when you try to match that with convenience sometimes for sure. So Tim, we, we always end every episode with the same question, and I'm sure you've been a loyal listener, so you know what this question is going to be. <laughs> but I'm I'm going to frame it up for you because it, this is uh, it helps us get perspective on what's really important to our guests. So here's the question: If you were Harry Potter for a day, and you could wave the wand one time to do something around your work. 
You can't wave it for more waves. We, we, we've got that <laughs> caveat in there. So if you could wave that one one time, what would you do to really make a difference in your work? Hmm. That's a great question. I think um, if we could help people see that um, taking action today may have a cost associated with it. Um, it may take some work to to benefit health, but the costs of doing nothing are so much more dramatic. Um, you know, if we could have stopped the vape products from ever hitting the market, we'd be in a whole lot better spot right now. Um, so if we can be proactive in seeking health, um, that would be fantastic. And that's what I'd love to help districts do is um, let's address the problem now. And, and prevent bigger problems down the road. That's great. I, and, and I was going to talk about this earlier, but I'll make sure I get this in here just because the irony is so great <laughs> that, that uh, in an organization I used to work for previously around workforce development, we had a huge grant. For, and I'm going to say what company it is, but it was a tobacco company one of the largest that definitely is in the vape uh, sector. And they they were given money for workforce development for schools and community, rural communities. And so I always thought, you know, definitely took the money. We were happy to take the money to do some work. But I just thought, man, the irony here of this large tobacco company investing in these communities where we've actually got some real health problems because of their product. And Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and they've even gone so far as to, there's some uh, tobacco cessation or avoidance curriculums out there that are funded by the tobacco industry. And it just kind of, we've said, you know, there's better options out there that don't have that that stain on them, if you will. So let's let us help you find your way around that so that you're not dependent on tobacco industry affiliations of any kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, we really appreciate having you on today, and it's been a good perspective to see resources and work that's going on in rural communities that su support students and schools and, and the educators, because we typically have educators on, but it's every once in a while we get a great guest like you that is the work impacts rural schools. So appreciate your time today, Tim, and, and uh, look forward to, to having you back on down the road as, as we get updates on your work. And uh, thank you to our listeners for joining the, the Rural Voice, the NREA podcast, and uh, stay tuned for next episode because we're really we're getting in the time of the year where we get some some great guests in the middle of the school year to see what's going on. So stay tuned for the next ep episode and thank you for joining us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast and website are those of Dr. Alan Pratt, Dr. Jared Bingham, and Dr. Christopher F. Silver and do not represent the affiliated universities and or any organization affiliated with the hosts. This podcast and the accompanying material, including our website, represent the opinions of Dr. Alan Pratt, Dr. Jared Bingham, and Dr. Christopher F. Silver, and their guests to the show and website. The content here should not be taken as medical or professional advice and should be used at your own risk. The content here is for informational purposes only and should be understood as such.
The Rural Voice Podcast or its hosts do not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And the information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. Further, the content of this podcast are the property of the National Rural Education Association and are protected under U.S. and international copyright and trademark law. No other use, including without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing of this podcast may be made without prior written permission. By listening to this podcast, you agree to the terms and conditions, and while we make every effort to ensure that the information that we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Thank you.